Welcome, one and all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 125, Wonder Woman, 1984. All of the numbers. We are the ladies. We have like the the intro or whatever her theme song is. (laughs) The music, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are the Wonder Women with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. I'm Tatiana, and I'm here with Jessica and May. You can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter. You can find us at ladieswgumption at gmail.com if you want to send us feedback like y'all should start doing in 2021 to make it your New Year's resolution. And you can find us at ladieswgumption.tumblr.com if you want to send us, you know, questions, <laughs> comments, suggestions, etc. You can also listen to this podcast, which will actually be for free, you know, during this hiatus. We've been doing mostly po- uh, Patreon, but this one is on Podomatic or on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Speaking of Patreon, though, we are going, because it's a new year and a new you, we are going to <laughs> give you 50% off. <laughs> for our Patreon, it'll just be $5 to listen to us talk about everything, including The Mandalorian, The Boys, Upload, The Witcher, whatever you want us to talk about. You can just, you know, make us do a little dance, get down tonight. Um, recently, we've done Stargirl, we've done Doom Patrol, and we will be doing in the very near future. Yeah, so we have requests in. to do Young Justice and uh, Ron Weasley, Ode to Ron Weasley episodes. So those are some of the things that we right. have on deck. That's coming on up. Um, in the news, we got the first Superman and Lois trailer, which I did not find out about until I got a... It's not much of a trailer. <laughs> exactly. Until I got a message from Swara with a link to an article about how this trailer proves that HBO Max will defeat CW-verse. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't much of a trailer. It is interesting that they don't really seem to be hyping it as much as one would Especially think. Especially because you know? they they definitely have enough, they should have enough footage filmed to give more than just like a slideshow of pictures. Yeah, and, I think, and a I think like they're banking on the fact that this is Superman and people will watch Superman they regardless. Not. They should exactly. Not. They should not. And it feels like, you know, we've seen a lot of um, promo for Batwoman. I feel like they're really hyping up that show for season two to get people on board with, you know, Jafisia as Batwoman and, and what's coming. But yeah. I feel like that energy isn't there for Superman and Lois. And it's... I, mean, I feel like they have, I feel like I know, like, you know, why they have to do it for Batwoman just because right. your lead just up and left a show in the middle, like at the end of season one. So they have to like rehype up the show. So I get mm-hmm. that, but yeah, it feels like Superman and Lois is going to be boring and they know it's going to be boring. And that's the way they're it. <laughs> yeah. It definitely feels that way. Cause like their promo is sounds like it's going to be like the show, which is very boring. Like there's nothing about it. That's exciting or hyping me up. Like anybody who thought that they didn't want to watch this show, there's nothing that's bringing them back in, right. you know? So do better CW. We know you have that money for your new shows. Right. I think, I don't know. I like like you guys said. I do think part of it is that they're focusing on Batwoman right now because they want to make sure it does well, and they're kind of banking on, kind of like how the Flash, Flash just Batwoman. is the Flash. 
They're like, okay, Superman Lois is Superman, so whatever. Whereas they really want to hype up Batwoman. And on the other hand, I wonder if there's any amount that's kind of like being low-key after that thing came out. I don't know that they're, I don't know that they would think it's even a big deal. Like Tank Fairy Show? Uh, no, no, not not about tanking it, but just like not calling attention to it because in like right now people mm-hmm. might start being like, oh, you know, but you did whatever, and then they just think of like a month people will forget, and then I'll just be out, and then you know, I don't know, because we haven't gotten a, a trailer for the Flash yet, and it comes out the same time as the Flash, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. to, to be so, fair, with the Flash, like we had the trailer for DC fandom because it was still. They still have the episodes that were left over, right, but they have true. they've at least filmed three episodes trailer. of their new yeah. like fully new season. So Right. And they like, can't really show footage of that without spoiling the end of their last season. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so for That's like true. I expect so never at mind. least like a thirty second teaser or something. Like I'm sure they have enough to pull together that much. It's ridiculous that they yeah. can. So I don't know. I guess I don't know. I feel like they're just think that they can go off the fact that Superman then. And we'll just watch. Because we already saw, we already saw our preview in other episodes <laughs> of the Arrowverse, I guess. <laughs> but you think you'd be able to get new eyes, you know? Because more people are likely to watch a Superman show, more, right. more likely to watch a Superman show than you know any number of random DC superheroes that they have brought out since. So I don't know, whatever, whatever. Uh, anyway, in other news, <laughs> uh, Ray Fisher has. Um, fired himself, has quit DCEU, <laughs> basically saying he's not going to um, work on any Warner Brothers project as long as Walter Hamada is in charge or whatever. Um, which, what do you guys think about that? Well, he's, I mean, he's definitely putting his foot down the sand. It, it goes to his whole, like, accountability over entertainment. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know... I, he would have wanted to stay on like all he was looking for was like a resolution and it's clear that it's not going to be so I figured he probably held out as long as he possibly could and it's just like well th- he's run out of like options or or whatever it's it's you know disappointing just because he barely got his foot in the door with the Justice League and hopefully this the Snyder Cut the extended version of the movie will do cyborgs and justice there but it, is, it does kind of leave like a, a salty taste in your mouth that it ended up in the situation to begin with so yeah yeah i mean at first i was a little initially confused just because i thought that he seemed okay with the retributions that were like handed out or whatever earlier uh, I think it was like November or something. He tweeted about it and he's like, yes, this is like what we want to see. So I guess something must have happened after that. It, didn't, it was a response leave. to um, an article that um, somebody like somebody did an interview with Hamada and, and he was talking about all of the new stuff coming up down the pipeline for DC. Right. And I guess what he was, whatever he was saying in, in that article may have set, right off and was like well i'm just it's clear that you know you're just this was one incident but it's probably not uh, leading to more changes or accountability in other areas so he saw what was happening was like i just i'm just gonna give up and and cut out so whatever was happening in that interview was not fully addressing the larger picture maybe 
Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, what led that to makes it. Sense. It's just really disappointing that yeah, because he because you know I was looking forward to seeing more of his story as cyborg in general because we saw that uh, in the Snyder Cut trailer there was going to be more cyborg story and mm-hmm. he was really happy about that too because a lot of it got cut um, in the Joss Whedon version. So him leaving now, it's like it, it does leave like a bad taste in your mouth. The fact that we yeah. won't see him in any other project we won't see his expanded story um but i totally understand like his accountability over entertainment um and that like if he didn't see that there were going to be any actual changes that were going to benefit the company and benefit any people of color himself included and like just the hierarchy of it all and 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 how that's going to affect everything moving forward then i completely get like why he decided to step down because something's clearly happening behind the scenes and we don't we don't really have the full picture of it, but he clearly does. So I, and even I definitely if he like didn't, support that. Like, even if it wasn't, you know, what he wanted to do, like I'm sure that if, he, if there was a choice he would want to stay on. But, you know, if I, I think it's probably, you know, your ethics come into play at a certain point that if they fixed it, but not all of it, but if, but if he stays on and then something else happens or, you know, more stuff is like uncovered, it's like, well, you bent for this reason and therefore we can continue to do whatever 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 so i think i don't know there's probably some kind of line that he made that cannot cross this line and yeah continuing on would have had him like cross it or, or lower his accountability over entertainment or whatever so yeah and i think the response has been kind of weird I guess mm-hmm. because I somebody I know like compared it to how like everyone was backing John Boyega and he was like, yeah, Disney was mistreating me. I was the leading man, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, yes, this is terrible. Disney, fuck you and all this other stuff versus with Ray Fisher. And I, I don't know if it's like people just wanting so desperately just like the Snyderverse fans who just want it so desperately. They don't really care as much about what's going on with Ray Fisher because I haven't seen like as much of an outcry about it online where I wonder if it's because he's he's being very specific and calling out names because I feel like you know Disney you can fight the machine but if they're like this one specific person that may have also been responsible for something else that you liked as a fan or whatever then it's like well uh, is it is it his fault you know so people start getting a little wishy-washy that's very true yeah all the apologists. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess for me, like, I don't think it's some. I feel like he still hasn't gotten getting some support, so like that's good. But maybe with Jumbo Yaga, it was like it was all over, you know? Yeah. So like he was definitely not going to be going back to more Star Wars movies, and yet, and also the way that he did, I don't know. I feel like he didn't cut ties really because there's still like people in the Star Wars machine that want to work with him you know like or that want to like include Finn and stuff um not that I I think obviously they're not gonna get rid of Cyborg but I just feel like we don't we don't know what goes on behind the scenes but I don't Mm -hmm. know I feel like it must have been a really drastic thing that happened for Ray to want to cut ties because before at least it seemed like they kind of wanted to appease him like oh you know Mm -hmm. like they were like passing the ball around of responsibility Mm -hmm. but not saying like well ray fisher is a crazy liar and you know other people were like we support ray fisher's you know what he's Mm -hmm. saying like agado and jason moore or whatever right said like yeah yes yeah we don't we don't like (laughs) we don't like joss whedon (laughs) (laughs) so so i don't know i guess i just feel like yeah, I wish I wish that there could have been a way for him to to stay on, like 
because he already said, you know, we, we already know what's what he said and that we, and we believe him, you know? So I don't know. I just feel like there wasn't going to be a way that he was going to overturn the system, if that makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's just a shame. That's all. Okay. Anyway, we don't have feedback because y'all are haters. So (laughs) (laughs) we will just move into uh, speaking of the DCEU and Gal Gadot. We will. Is it Godot uh, or Godot? Because I, I was watching Godot. NBC and they they did like an interview with her where they're like Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, and I'm like okay, but then like yeah. later they did another like not about not interview with her, but uh, other people were calling her Gal Gadot. So I'm like, is it Godot or Godot? Like I feel like she, Godot. I've heard her her pronouncing it is Godot. Okay, Godot. yeah, that's probably why they said it in the interview with her. They practiced right. beforehand. And right. then she wasn't around. <laughs> and then they forgot. They were like, yes, we can just say her name however we want. They're just so used to waiting for Godot. They're like, yeah, exactly. that sounds right. Also, you know, some people do say waiting for Godot. Some people do say that. Oh, really? So, oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm like, weirdos. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, we will be giving our overall impressions of Wonder Woman 1984. We will do a deep dive into the villains, apparently. And we <laughs> the Wonder Woman mythology. As well as controversy surrounding the film. Um, and also, you know, maybe some thoughts on what might happen in the third film, which has already been announced, not to mention the Amazon spinoff. So May is going to take us through it. Take it away, May. They should have just stayed in Themyscira. That's all I'm saying. But the plot of Wonder Woman 1984 is not in Themyscira, though it starts out that way. It actually takes place 66 years ahead in time. Hence the title, Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Diana is still stuck on a dead man she knew for a couple of weeks at the most. Um, now in the 80s, she's moved stateside and is working at the Natural History Museum in D.C. There she's introduced to Barbara Minerva, a clumsy, quote-unquote, nobody, who is really good at being an archaeologist slash gemologist, but apparently not so good at being a woman and aspires to be like Dan- Diana. Flawless, normal, can get whatever she wants, Diana. When an ancient wish-granting gem lands at the museum, Maxwell Lord, an entrepreneur, gets get whatever she wants, but she chooses not to <laughs> I know, right? It's like, my life is worse than I think it is, but it could be so much more. (laughs) Um, Maxwell Lord gets his hands on a gem that grants wishes, and he basically becomes a genie. He grants everyone's wishes and takes more and more control and power in return. When the world descends into chaos, Wonder Woman must save the day by making people see truth and having them rescind their wishes. Because (laughs) everyone wishes for the world to just... This is not just like a very... Kill each other. Cinematic version of a super <laughs> that Supergirl episode where she's like, yeah, really? "Everyone, take <laughs> off your VR glasses at the same time." Yeah. yeah oh my god. Yes. <laughs> I knew that sounded familiar. That <laughs> Jeff Johns writing in there. Pretty much. And then, of course, Dead Steer does return because Diana is still pining for him, wasting her wish on getting him back instead of, I don't know, seeing her mom and her other the other Amazons again. <laughs> but that's that's going to we're going to talk about that. So what are your overall impressions of this movie? And did it live up to any expectations that you had? Well, I, I mean, OK, just like in general, like I know there's a lot of controversy about um you know, the writing, especially the part of the story that takes place in Egypt, which we'll get to um, a little bit later on. But just all of that, even aside, there is there's so many clumsily written things. It was just okay overall. Like visually, there were some cool elements. The opening scene within the Amazons, um, I didn't like the pilot scene because I just feel like, you know, if fully grown 
fully trained Amazon women are getting dusted by an eight year old. Like, even if she is Diana, like that's just so unrealistic to me. So I didn't really like that the plot there. And I I, th- I thought it was cheap that you know you the point of like the whole point of it was like you cheated, Diana. You didn't. You lied or something like that. And it's just kind of like mm, okay, but visually it looked really pretty. You know, getting to see more of the mascara. So I mean, like visually, I think I feel like because um, I watched it on HBO Max, but when they're talking about like a theatrical release, the theatrics of the mascara would have looked really good on like the big screen. So I thought that was cool. Um, the invisible jet sequence, really cool. Um, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, just the whole process of her turning the jet invisible and then them flying over the fireworks scene. All of that was really great. Steve's little eighties makeover montage. <laughs> I thought it was really fun and <laughs> Just his dynamic, um, Steve and, and Diana's dynamic in general. Um, but, and I also think that Gal makes a great Diana, like some of the softness in, in Diana's like personality. And um, there's that the, the mall scene where she saves um, the little girl, two little girls from the four stooges that <laughs> are trying to rob a jewelry store. Um, there's this, I think Gail Simone actually pointed out on Twitter the similarities between the girl that she kind of saves and and, um, throws to the teddy bear, that girl, and then there's, like, a girl, um, I think her name is, like, Peony in the comics, like, a little superhero villain, or not villain, superhero villain, whatever. Anyway, superhero that teams up with with Diana. There was, like, a cool little, I don't know if that was, like, a nod to it or whatever. Like, that stuff is cute. Um, But overall, I think, like, there's these inconsistencies and hanging threads, poor dialogue. The mall dialogue scene, the dialogue in that mall scene was like awful. Um, and it's just kind of looked a little bit muddled. Um, it felt like the writers had key things that they definitely wanted. They definitely wanted Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. They definitely wanted Steve alive. They definitely wanted it in 1984. And they definitely wanted to make Egypt a part, a central part of the story. And then I felt like they took those endpoints and tried to like reverse engineer a story to make those elements work. Um, which is how we get the whole lazy concept of magic rock ties all these elements together. Um, and like the rock itself is really muddled in the fact that it's basically a monkey's paw, which if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, why are you calling it a chicken? Just make it a duck. <laughs> but like the monkey's paw is, this, you know, has like the Arabic elements of uh, like in the tell of Pakir is the one that like puts the curse on the monkey's paw so you have that, but the rock is written in ancient Latin or something like that. And so there's like Roman mythology. And Diana's like, oh, it's vaguely connected to this dot god that we never hear about, never goes anywhere. And then two-thirds of the way into the movie, we're introduced to a South Asian man in dreadlocks who says that he is a descendant of the Mayans. So now there's Mayans mythology in here somewhere. And so it just kind of feels like all these little clashing cultures that don't actually make sense together. I feel like they could have had a more cohesive story if they tied like the rock and Cheetah's origin story to Egypt because clearly they wanted Egypt in the story, but they didn't really do any kind of work other than like shallow Western imperialism stereotypes of Egypt um, and put that in the movie. So it was kind of just like, I don't know. It was a lot of half threads and 
the ending message, like I said, it just felt like Supergirl. <laughs> so I was not that impressed. Max Lord was great. Like Pedro, pa- no, not, not Max Lord, but Pedro Pascal's right. characterization of Max Lord was great. But and he was like very entertaining. But overall, it just felt really disconnected and not that great. You actually went into a lot more detail than or depth than I would have expected because after the first time that I watched one or one at twenty four, you watched having, it twice. Yes, yes. <laughs> you have to get the little sentence. Okay, watch it the first time with Katie, which was you know she's a very bad influence when it comes to paying attention to things. But after it ended, we were like, we don't know what just happened in this movie. We literally <laughs> like it just occurred. I could not tell you one thing about it other than Pedro Pascal did a great job. So. So I had to rewatch it again so that I could say something about it on this podcast. And I did it did feel like such a letdown after after Wonder Woman. I don't know. I think that what was so great about the first Wonder Woman was that it was a very simple story. It was just a very straightforward, you know, narrative, the origin story of Wonder Woman. And we all kind of know what it is, but it was really focused on her development, you know, her coming into a new world. And her getting to know this group of people, you know, and the time period that she was in and what what makes her want to fight for humanity. All of that. That was all great. The only the only real, real flaw for me in the movie act with fighting Ares, which apparently it turns out was the studio wanting that. And that mm-hmm. was apparently not the case. Um, that was not originally going to be the third act. So now my question is, how could the same people that worked on Wonder Woman have then turned out Wonder Woman 1984. Like, is it just, was it all studio meddling? Or was it just a one and done, like one hit wonder, like, oh, I had a great idea for the origin. I don't know where to go from there. Because Mm -hmm. I think almost everything that was so great about Wonder Woman was not there in 84. First off, like her connections to people. Why is she just totally isolated? Because. Yeah, she didn't have any connections to anybody. Yeah, no connections. And like, I would get, like, it's like, okay, everyone I love has died. And for reasons, I don't know how to get back at the mascara, right? Like, that is actually a great starting point. But they focus on Steve. We got that one picture, like, that one frame of Etta Candy. You know, like, oh, yeah, she died too. But, like, Etta Candy is someone she spent her whole life with, right? Like, we there was a photo of her when she was, like, old. So, like, that's a really great thing. Like, you know, what happens when you don't age, you know? And then, like, the one person that you trust that really knows who you are, then they die. And then you have to, like, how are you connecting to people? Yeah, that would be great. But instead, it was like, I was in love once for two weeks, and he was a pilot, and he was so wonderful. Also, let's not talk. Let's not have lunch. And I was like, okay, this is so stupid. So I really didn't like that. Um, I also feel like Cheetah, I don't know, Barbara, the whole characterization of Barbara was just, like, totally divorced from her comic book origins and characterizations and it was just like it was very unnecessary in my opinion to intertwine cheetah with um maxwell lord so it was like three different storylines going on in this movie and then whatever the fuck was going on with the oil people like (laughs) i don't even i have erased those scenes from my mind they did not occur in my life um, but yeah, so it just felt like really like three underdeveloped plots instead of what could have been one really strong plot. Cohesive is, plot. Yeah. How does Diana now connect to people after she's lost everyone? Like if you had started, if you had gone the Steve route, you should have started with Etta Candy dying or something, you know, 
whatever year, because they didn't use 1984, so we didn't need 1984. Use whatever year Etta Candy would you die. You know what? I like I saw in like one of the interviews or articles I read about the uh, reviews on the movie that she chose Patty Jenkins chose 1984 because that was somehow supposed to be like the height of like modernism and like culture, American culture or whatever. And like, was it though? <laughs> <laughs> If it was, then use that as part of the movie. It was kind of like, even any like, '80s music because... in it, so it's like, why? Yeah. What? Yeah. Culture are you they just wanted like the you know, that one that one shot of Kristen Wiig in like the '80s bodysuit, you know, pumping iron once, Pretty and much. that's what they needed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was really. I felt like there was definitely a way that they could have incorporated the '80s. That was absolutely had to be leaned into. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, and. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, like, I like the idea of there's this object that makes your wishes come true, but there's a catch. Um, like, I didn't understand the catch for, <laughs> for a while. It took me a very long time to understand what the Like, what happened was. to that guy? What was what was the thing that the guy that got the coffee, what did he give up for that <laughs> coffee? <laughs> yeah. Oh, know. Speaking of, like, that microcosm of just, like, you know, oh... The wishes can turn dark because people are evil, basically, was like when, when she was like, the Irish should go back to where they come from or whatever. And then he's like being deported seconds later. And then he's like, well, you should die. I was like, this is so stupid. Why did this happen? It just made everything <laughs> seem like so petty, like of all the wishes that they'd wish for. Like, these are just... Yeah. How is that hopeful? I don't know. <laughs> right. The only, like, really, the, the strongest narrative was Pedro Pascal wants to be somebody to his child. Okay? I and therefore... Like that, I, I don't know if they, if that's where she was going with the whole, like, 1980s. I feel like in that... Wasn't that, like, in the bubble economy or, like, the... Maybe it was right in the height of the bubble economy or whatever and the whole concept of more. But I feel like if that's what she was going for then it definitely got lost in exactly, translation yeah. a little bit. You lean into that stuff. Like, that was just very much not... Like, as much as Wonder Woman used World One, you know? It was, like, mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. All movie. You have, to, you have to lean into whatever you're trying to use. So, yeah, it could have been any year that we, you know, it was just... It just, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. So, yeah. Also, it seems like Minerva, Barbara, was in love with um, Wonder Woman, and then that just didn't go anywhere, because then she was hooking up with Maxwell Lord, Max so whatever. Lord. Yeah, so, I don't know. And and then it just didn't seem like they liked each other either, so I was like, what's happening? He just came to, I know he just stole, came to steal the rock, but there was, like, that scene where she gets on the plane, and it just already seems like they're just, like, don't really like talking to each other, but he's still, like, let's her on the plane, and then he's like, wow. I'll give you a wish as a treat. Yeah, exactly! Yeah, exactly! <laughs> 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 and he literally explains to her what his wish thing is, right? So, like, I'm gonna suck your life force out. Now, what would you like? <laughs> like, why is she going along with this? Also, I definitely thought Diana killed her, and then she was there at the end. So, I was like, okay, she's not dead. But I don't know. <laughs> was she? I must have. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah. And so, I think Patty Jenkins also hinted that because Barbara well, she was very, didn't like, rescind her wish, it. she could right. appear in, like, but a I feel like. Film. Well, yeah, I guess on a technicality because um, Maxwell Lord rescinded his wish, but she had already no because she had she had wished to be strong before, and he's the one that made her into a cheetah. So I'm like, if he's no longer the stone, does that mean that she's no longer looks like a cheetah, or you know? <laughs> right. Many questions. <laughs> yeah, I I mean 
aside from all the issues that we'll talk about later, like the, just the plot to me was it started off well enough. And I think it, it's sad to say that the whole thing mascara scene, like I get your point, Jessica, that, you know, she was only eight. How could she defeat all these women? But it was like I, she, she looks like an eight year old. I don't know if she yeah. like eight, but yeah. <laughs> but like she was the um, it was the best scene that was like action wise, and I think it was like very thrilling. It really sets up the movie to be like, oh, you know, this highly anticipated film. Like, it. what are we, what are we gonna see next? You know, nothing. And then it kind of goes downhill from there, and it's just <laughs> really disappointing because there was so much that could have been done. Like we spend no time exploring diana as a person like what has she been up to the last 60 plus years what has she been doing you know she should have friends she should have especially like female friendships considering that she's away from the mascara she has no one she should be building these friendships so it was like really odd to see her not want to form a relationship with barbara because that's where i thought it was going it would have been so much more interesting had barbara been like the sole villain of the film we see their development as you know a friendship over time and then at the end, like, because Barbara's being petty, like, I don't want any of this and I want to be who I want to be. And you can't, like, take that from me or whatever. And then that's when they get into, like, a big battle. You know, there's so much potential uh, there and they just didn't do any of that. Plus, like, Diana is is bisexual in the comics and they're, that scene was, to me, was definitely coded as, like, it could have gone right. romantic. Uh-huh. So it was just, like, disappointing to see Barbara become this woman who after 66 years is still kind of like pining for a man who's been dead they didn't spend that long together they maybe slept with each other once and it's just i don't know it it just had to be one thing if she if she had been having like relationships over these past 60 years and then something happens in the present day that reminds her of steve and Mm -hmm. that's what sets off the wish yeah but clearly (laughs) yeah like i mean you've lived all this time like there's nobody you've spoken to at you know and i on one level you know i get that she could be still pining for steve because steve knew where she came from who she was the extent yeah, of knew, like powers or whatever and yeah. i get that like it's, it could be hard to like open up to new people but that could have been something that the movie could have explored like where she kind of draws the lines like oh well you know we're cool but then we can't really go so far and i can't be I, fully you know, truthful i would have liked you. to see that because like the first movie you know, he knew from the beginning. So I would have liked to see her have to try and like balance her superhero identity with, you know, her normal civilian life. And then be like, this is so hard. And I would just wish Steve was back. And then like, he's back like that. Would, <laughs> yeah. That yeah Cause that would have made more sense. And I just feel like two hours and what, 30 minutes of this movie. I don't think I learned anything new about Diana as a person, no. you know, and, and, everything in terms of like the plot wasn't really connected to her at all so she felt like an outsider superhero kind of jumping into to to be the savior or whatever but there was nothing inherently like connected to her personally other than the barbara and that was just like her. It right was like, it wasn't god it could have that... come like from the mascara for example like yeah. they could have changed that so there was just like a lot of weird things going on that didn't really it didn't feel cohesive and you know in term aside from barb uh, aside from diana you know barbara was also like a person that didn't we'll talk about her later but like she didn't feel like a full-fledged character if even like with um what's his face max lord like we got a little bit of his backstory in that little montage at the end 
Um, but we didn't really get what her true motivation is. Like, it can't be that you feel like you're a privileged white woman. You can't feel like society has some, somehow neglected you, you. No one pays attention to you. It just comes off looking so bad. Um, and then in terms of like Diana and even wishing for Steve, the fact that to get this man to have love in her life, she also has to give up her power. Didn't like the messaging was just bad. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So she had to choose between her man and her power. Yeah. It's like, mm, I don't know. Why can't she have both? <laughs> so the first one woman did a great job of showcasing why Diana would become attached to humanity. Right. Why she would want to fight for it. And then this movie totally cut that out. So I know that the Diana, the Diana that I know is going to go out there and fight or whatever. And I was like, but the Diana we know isn't because we've just watched her for an hour and a half not do anything but hang out with you. So I really feel like they should have, like, I don't know, the Barbara thing. They should have had Barbara and her already be close, already be, like, working together. So then she sees her friend sort of, like, fall to the dark side or whatever. And then that inspires her to fight. Something like that. Um <laughs> So you could still use Steve because obviously we all want to see Chris Pine's face, but even knowing that it was that other dude whose name I cannot currently remember, uh, is did he, have he didn't have one. He was just he didn't have a name. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean the actor. We know the oh, actor. Okay, I just can't remember the actor. <laughs> he was like we could have had him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Just leave him that like as that. That's fine. But like seeing her make out with Chris Pine and knowing it was actually other dude is like weird you know because it is literally a person it's not like chris it's not like steve pepper just materialized it's like he's borrowing this other person's body was really fucking weird so yeah yeah and i think like we saw um like patty jenkins quoted an article like the body swap's not that bad because it was an homage to other 80s movies and and i think they referenced like big and something else but i feel like if you do like freaky friday or something like it's two people that are known to each other that body swaps And stuff happened. This is a completely random guy that has no connection to Diana or Steve that gets body swapped. There's no, we don't even see, like, and Steve takes this dude's body all the way to Egypt in a high speed international chase. We're his friends, you know? He could have died. Exactly, (laughs) he could have died. Yeah. It was it was very strange. It was yeah. it was like and, a and really weird. And the fact weird... that they never bring it up that it's like wrong because they also yeah. like slept together and, yeah. and one else. You're like, mm, and Diana was like, right. no, I don't want to give up my boyfriend. <laughs> I was like, well, what's the guy that's, whose body he's controlling supposed to do, Diana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even the yeah. fact that like they mentioned because Steve's like, oh, you you know, you still look the same. I was like, well, they could have also explored that angle. The fact that Diana is going to live forever and she always has to see people she loves die before her. Like, that could have been very profound um, because we saw that little picture of Edda and it's like, okay, well, where is that relationship and how does Diana feel about it? And we got none of that. So it just feels like a major letdown. I think even like the big action sequences didn't bring much joy other than beyond like the first one um so there was just a lot that was going on but it was just like the end it was just very chaotic once uh, things really started to get going and it didn't like there was no nothing that made sense like how they got from a to b to c so i would have liked to have seen more cohesive storytelling and like better dialogue and more character development so it was really it really makes me wonder did someone else right? Like, were there other people on the script for the first one that weren't on the second one, or the opposite? Because 
Because it just feels like such a downgrade. I just don't understand. Yes, true shame. Um, but then we did have the two villains, um, Barbara and Max. So for Barbara specifically, we got a little bit into her um, and, and what kind of disappointed us. But like, what are your more expanded thoughts about her as a character and her as a villain spe- specifically? Is it well? Does anyone else? Tati, do you want to go first? Because my I have no joy <laughs> whatsoever. Right. Okay. So, before I tear into her, if you have something that you like, please um, go. <laughs> okay. If we're starting with with Cheetah slash Barbara, I do. I mean, I do find Kristen Wig Wig whatever her name is charming. You know, so I think it's like an interesting take on Barbara, like just in terms of her personality and like how she's like bubbly but ignored or whatever, like whatever they were going for. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cute. It's kind of quirky. Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, it was like a, it could have been like a fun SNL skit. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so, are we just doing Joy? Because that's, I, I don't really have anything else to bring to the table on the Joy front. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even like that because I just, I like, I know a lot of people because you are not the only one. Um, I know Suara liked Kristen Wiig's performance, and I've seen a couple other people on Twitter talking about that Kristen and Pedro Pascal were two like the uh, major stars performance wise. It kind of helped. I like buoy the movie. That's really they're they're on two different levels. I, yeah. I wouldn't say that. that they're, they're on the same level. They're, they're, exactly. Yeah. Like they are not on but, the same level. <laughs> I mean, like just like the whole like the idea of going with a whole pile of quirky white woman TM tropes. No matter how well acted they might be, I'm just tired of seeing them mm-hmm. just in general. And I was disappointed when they cast Kristen in the first place because I had been hoping that they would go with like a woman of color. Yes. Um, so, you know, the whole comics origin of Cheetah in, you know, is kind of problematic in a sense that it's like a white woman that was obsessed with this protector um, who's a cheetah in um, an African tribe. So she goes there and she's like, I want to be, I have studied it. I am such a fan of Cheetah. So I deserve to be the Cheetah. And um, also there's like another problematic sexist element in the in the fact that the cheetah has to be a virgin and Barbara was not and then she like corrupts the protect protector and blah 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 blah. Um and I feel like, you know, the comic's origin is problematic. So I can understand why they didn't want to adapt it literally, especially in this um day and time. However, like one key change that would have made her story more compelling would have been to change her race. Like if you had that's all you had to do. If she had been like she could still be nerdy, quirky. Yeah, right. You could have kept everything as it was, yes. but have a different woman. Yeah. Yeah. But make her like an ambitious, like black American archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Or again, since Egypt really seemed to be, they just had to go to Egypt. And Egypt was central to another part, the Maxwell Lord part of the story. If you made her like a Mina actress mm-hmm. and maybe connected her to like, because how does Maxwell Lord even know about this stone in the first place? And, you know, so if he had like hired barbara to go research and find this gem in egypt or whatever or you know if we had set the the tribe with the cheetah in egypt and then you know that barbara goes there and you know also decides to take the um ritual to make herself cheetah because she studied all this stuff you still you like you lose unappealing aspect of like white colonizer comes in and takes um, sacred idol or protector from African tribe if you make her either black American or Amina actress but then you, you can also keep like the little element of like western elitism 
and the corruption of Cheetah, like, because no one asked you to come in your baths and take our idol. So, you know, so you can still have, like, that little conflict or whatever without, like, the whole unappealing part of her being white. So that could have been, like, a much more compelling story. But the one thing that they should have changed was the one thing they decided to keep. So, because I guess, like, Patty was like, I have to have Kristen Wiig. So in order to make it make sense for a white woman, they decided to go this whole um, all origin of her being this nerdy, unattractive, quote unquote, white woman who wants to be sexy and confident like Diana, not like other girls, Prince. So it's, I mean, that in itself, I think is a little weird. And then she gets this way by making a wish on the stones. Like you needed. And it's, it's it's not even, like, a dramatic change. She just, like, wakes up and, like, takes off a skirt and pulls down her shirt. And, like, oh, now I'm sexier. It's like, you need a magic rock to tell you what clothes to wear to, you know, go, <laughs> right, go out and right. try, like, a, a sexier dress. Magic yeah. rock helped, helped you do that. And the fact that, the, the fact that pre-wish, she couldn't walk in heels and... um how that somehow connected to, like, her femininity or attractiveness. Like, mm-hmm. she was unfeminine because she couldn't walk in heels compared to Diana, who was coded ultra-feminine, uh, to, to the point where she fights crime and wedges. And now, post-wish, Barbara can suddenly, like, walk in heels and cat-like reflexes, and all of a sudden, her, like, attractive, attractiveness skyrockets. So, like, I've seen, like, all kinds of think pieces about Diana's costume and... She should she really be fighting in wedges? Why can't she be practical and all this kind of shit? But I don't really see any think pieces are are talking about how Barbara's femininity is coded and how well she walks in heels. Um, so I think the feminine pot should meet the feminine kettle on that one, and you know, kind of readjust your thinking because I think that was like really kind of problematic to be honest. And that kind of like it was like a, a small thing, but it's just kind of like. I, I can't walk in heels, so I'm not attractive. And now I can walk in heels, so I'm attractive. And also, I don't need glasses anymore. It's very... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a very 1984 on... media right. way of portraying attractiveness, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like also very weird for people to get on Diana for even wearing wedges just to fight. Like, she... I think it's nice that she has... She is feminine. But like you said, you know, it didn't have to be like the complete opposite with with Barbara, where she had to like she had to be able to wear heels to be feminine. Like there's right there's, there's different and, levels of femininity, and everybody should be able to just do for whatever. Talking, for people to be talking <laughs> about like feminism and you know women, girl power, and all this kind of stuff, but Barbara's not considered feminine until she can walk in heels. It's just like hypocritical, or you know, right. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. You're not wrong. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I mean, with Barbara, it's like a big fail to me because it, her as a per, like we didn't get to know her as a person to be able to like understand how she went from or care why like people don't like her. Why, her, like why she's feeling sorry for herself. Like I don't care. I just met you like five minutes ago. And there's nothing about your life beyond you feeling sort of ignored and you just needing a little boost of confidence maybe to 
be able to like, yes, I understand why this woman became a villain and why she did what she did because it, it, it nothing... also didn't like make any sense why people were ignoring her to the extent that they were. It was yeah, just like very like, seems like right, light switch. Like, yeah. Like the, the fact that she was so surprised that she looked awesome in a dress just because somebody else complimented her. I was like, you could have also gone shopping. I don't know if that's what yeah, she like. Really really like, I feel like they <laughs> could ago. have done that if it was just really like she was trying and people were just ignoring her or putting her down for yeah. whatever reason. If there was like some reason people putting her down. So even like she tried, she got that same dress. She goes out. People were like, why are you wearing that? You know, and then she does it again after the wish, and people are like, "Oh my god, you look so good!" So then you know that it's literally what she's changed is people's perceptions, and mm-hmm. not just like right. her own actions. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and even like, I don't know. I feel like we didn't have like why Diana specifically. You know, there's uh, yeah, I'm they sure just met other, like, like five minutes ago. Women. You know, right. and I don't understand like what it was about her that she decided that she, she wants to be her push that dude down with very because little force. Like, don't you remember? Have, like, guys, like, she's not even <laughs> going out with guys or being in hot or whatever. So it's not like she was living the life Barbara wanted to live because she wouldn't live yeah. her own life. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. She was just yeah. like, wow, Diana's really pretty because she was into her. That's why. <laughs> but we didn't go there. <laughs> yes, exactly. It would have made she, much she more She didn't even go there after she got hot quote-unquote right yeah but right. And, and, and the thing is it's like it's not like even diana rejected her or ignored her she obviously knew that barbara was very capable and smart or whatever and she even like saved her once from that guy and just like shoved him out of the way so it's not like diana was demeaning her or making her feel like she wasn't there like that other lady who was talking to her earlier so i don't i don't get that whole arc and why her as a woman being ignored would make her suddenly bad, you know? And that um, the rock took away her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that made no sense. And also like the, because I saw a few people talking we about know this online. She was nice because she helped that one homeless guy that <laughs> one time. Yeah, and that shouldn't even be like the point of her morality. Like he shouldn't right. be representative of that because this man is like what, you know, his homelessness may not be out of in his hands. And we don't really know his story either. It's just like, oh, I bought you lunch. And suddenly like Barbara's like the, the and angel everyone needed in their lives, you know? Right. Um, no one appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but also um, I saw a few people talking about this and the fact that her big, I guess, villain moment, like the, the first time we really see her as a villain, the music starts playing, you know, to see that transition is her shoving a guy who is trying to harass her. And I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily like should be that moment of her villainy because it's not like the dude was he was doing something wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's just like a weird way to frame it. And it just felt really odd. So and, and then her even like her conversation with Maxwell Lord, it's like, I want to be an apex predator. I was like, OK, so I yeah. guess that's her goal in life. It was such a, it's like a weird watered down, diluted way to get to Cheetah that is just yeah, very much so. And even satisfying. like if we didn't like if someone who wasn't into comics was watching this movie, they're like, who the fuck is Cheetah? You know, like right. she was there for five minutes. and It's like, OK, she's wearing a Cheetah costume and that's it. Like there's nothing yeah. about her that screams she is cheetah and this exactly. is why she, she could have just been an example of what happens when you use max solar's power and not have anything to do with cheetah and then right. at the end what was it was just right it was like 
oh, I don't want. Diana. I didn't, like, I must have like power, it must have right? blacked out at the end where you saw her again because I don't remember seeing. Cause I remember wondering what happened speech. to her. Shannon was giving her a speech about like renounce your wish, and then you just like see her like I guess contemplating renouncing her oh, okay. wish. Yeah, and that, that was but, the last time. I mean, that's the last time I saw her. I don't know. If yeah, she was. okay, it was because I don't remember. Okay, her yeah, because I remember because I thought you were oh, talking about afterwards. Cause no, no, no. It, I was wondering, like, what, you know, what did happen to her? Because obviously she wasn't going to renounce it. But if the power's up for everybody, then it's right. also up for her. So, yeah. And then, of um, course, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, like, it just didn't make sense that it went from, oh, I want Diana's power. No, I want my own power. The power of a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get here? And thus she was. She born. wasn't a zoologist. She <laughs> exactly. was a gymologist. So it's like there's no. Zoologist, baby. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <So stupid. sighs> fun times. Oh, wow. um, but we'll lead to I the next so villain. I know like, Maxwell Lord did get a little bit more backstory, and obviously we understood where he was coming from. So, like, what did we like and dislike about his arc? He was definitely more fun of the two villains, but just like because he was so chaotic, <laughs> it was the storyline was just as nonsensical as Cheetah's storyline. Um, but it was more fun because he's just like ridiculous. Um, you know, be, like I said, like how did he even come to know about the stone in the first place? Like, I feel like that's the first part because we meet him, he is like TV personality very you know fake gold kind of um thing where it's like he looks all shiny on the outside but in reality he is uh, a failed pyramid scheme guy losing all of his investors and he's like a loser basically um and then he gets this stone and it's like the four stooges in, in the beginning of the movie are connected to him because they were supposed to steal a stone for him or it was supposed to be delivered to him or whatever um, so I'm just like, well, how did he find out about the stone? If he's just such a loser as he's supposed to be. How did he even find out about the stone to like make a wish and, you know, make all his dreams come true? Um, which I feel like, again, like if you had tied Barbara to that storyline and the rock to Egypt, that would have helped with like the cohesion of the story. Yeah. Um, but then like we're like his whole thing is wanting to control the oil industry. But then he gets the, the rock, and he wishes to become the rock, and make himself. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? Like, why? Why not wish for oil? Because that's what you wanted. <laughs> why wish it, for? That's definitely like the Aladdin. Like the Jafar yeah. wants to be the genie thing. You don't want to yeah. be the genie. That, that was like off the left field for me. And then after he wished to become the rock, instead of wishing for oil, he went to Egypt to get them to give him the oil that he could just wish for in the first place. And then after yeah. that, the whole oil storyline just goes away. And like now it's like this vague concept of Maximal Lord wants more or power, which I feel like, like I said before, like if it was like the whole 1980s theme of bigger and better and more and all this kind of stuff, if they had done more to like cement that as a theme of the movie it may have made sense and just like skip the whole oil thing and just have him wanting to have more than what he already has, not being satisfied with it. But it just seems very weird for like, why even go to Egypt and spend all that time there in the first place? If 
oil and that is not a central part of the story it's the whole like i want more thing and then like after yeah. that like oil just goes completely there's it's not about oil anymore and, just, and this is yeah. the weird concept of give me powers or like you know tell me your wishes which will harm my body and my life force but i will get something in return and it's just kind of like it's very chaotic and he's like he because he has no idea what he's doing and that's just what makes it like interesting because he's just like his whole energy is chaotic but the actual plot is just really kind of nonsensical right. and where does he plan on stopping we don't know until like diana's like just be good <laughs> and suddenly <laughs> suddenly he remembers he has a son and right his dad was mean to him <laughs> that part when it flashed back through his whole life yeah. And then you're like, why? Like, I, I like seeing it because I'm like, oh, good. We get the, you know, his backstory. But but it had made no sense until it got to his son. And then you're like, oh, that's right. He's probably thinking about his son. We just had to go through his whole life to get there. <laughs> I feel like somewhere in there was a criticism of American capitalism and, like, how that is destructive on its own. Like, how that's kind of fucked up the world. Mm-hmm. The greed and all that. But then it just turned into, like, oh, the... Middle Eastern people are actually the bad ones. I'm like, I don't understand how you got there, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I agree with that. I, I, I definitely think that was probably the goal. But, you know, more is not always better. But again, just like with the utilizing the 80s theme, it fell short because they were trying to go in too many different directions and None of those directions were the exploration of who Diana is as a person, I guess. <laughs> you I don't have any more do you have Maxwell, Maxwell Lord, Lord Joy's thoughts? thoughts? I mean, I I thought I really liked Peter Pascal's performance. I thought it was definitely the strongest part of the movie. Just the fact that like, this man who has an idea that he thinks could actually help people, right? Um, and he wants to prove himself. He wants to be a big shot for his son and also just to make it, like we said, you know, in America. Sure, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> the American dream. Uh, and yet he's he falls short at every, you know, moment until he has this rock. I think that they could have, it would have been better if the rock just fell into his hand somehow, you know? If yeah. it had been like a... Like Instead of him, like, seeking it out. Exactly, yeah, because that already puts him in a bad light sense it would make more sense if he was just a failing businessman who wanted to you know prove himself to his son and then he got the chance to and then we see how we see how lost he gets in it and that's why one woman is able to pull him and everyone back you know it's like well-meaning people blah blah but instead it was like pretty much megalomania and then but you have a child (laughs) (laughs) you're right i do i guess i'll stop now so like that one scene where he's he's trying to get his son to make a wish he's like i wish for you to be successful daddy he's like no (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) why would you waste your wish son So yeah, so there was a little bit, um, <laughs> but but I think that that was where the strongest kernels of the story were, and the scenes with his son were really great, especially like the one where he like admits to his son that he's actually a failure or whatever. I was like, ah, my heart, it hurts. Anyway, <laughs> so so yeah, that that was good. That was joyful, and then not joyful was just the wasted opportunity. You know, yeah. Butterball's cow backing his ass off and. 
yeah, that's what you, yeah like that part like where he was wild, like chaotic villain that we just we just love like he just yeah. chooses scenery he's like yes i will be this crazy mm-hmm. man, you know? I, I feel like if they had taken like the, just like, leave the oil out of it shelf that storyline and just focus on him like turning his pyramid scheme his television pyramid scheme into like an actual pyramid scheme of powers yes that would have been so that much been better awesome. and we could have like bypassed all of egypt and just gone that route and it would have been like yeah he could have been like a genie evangelist or something like just yes <laughs> and make people do what you want <laughs> perform miracles like hello <laughs> yeah so truly a wasted opportunity but i, I agree with everything you ladies said about him because like he did you know Pedro Pascal did give an amazing performance and I feel like he tried really hard to make this man be sort of sympathetic in a way like oh this is where he started out this was his life he really wants to achieve all these goals I would have felt his scenes more with uh, the kid a lot more because if he, the child, had been a little bit of a better actor. Sorry, poor kid. <laughs> I feel so bad saying that. I know. Yes, I mean, he's a child, though. It's okay. I know, okay. I know, I know. But, the, you know, there was just, like, because Pascal was giving so much, he's like, yes, I will make you proud. Like, yeah. like okay, but I don't need you to. <laughs> I just want you to be here like you should. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really sad. But, again, like, it was just this scheming bad guy who decided that he needed to like go overseas because he saw a magazine about the king of crude. I'm just like, Oh no. (laughs) And and none of his storyline had anything to do with Diana either, nor did he like, if he, it would have been fascinating because if he already knew about the gem and we don't know how he knew about the gem, it would have been cool if he also knew about Diana somehow, because like in his research or something, he'd come across this, you know, information about, the Mascara and the Amazonians in general, especially since we have the mid or post-credit scene where um, Asteria, is that her name? Yeah. Like, basically, she's still around. She's not dead. So that would have been, like, an interesting... I forgot that in my my overall impression, Joyce, because that was great. Yeah, yeah was it was. Great. I love that. Um, But that would have been, like, interesting if he was just, like, hunting them down and that's where he found the gem. And that's why he wanted to, like, use it because it just – it felt random uh, in general. Like, this random gem just showed up out of nowhere and suddenly he wants he's it. Because like he's, like, a nobody kind yeah. of guy. That's this whole thing. Like, he's just, like, really fake on the outside. And so where did you get, like, you know, the fun – like, how did you – it didn't seem like he was particularly, like, smart, like, went to school and studied and blah, 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 blah. He's just kind of, like, flying by the seat of his pants. So, like, mm-hmm. where did the whole – knowledge of there is something yeah. out there that could give you wishes <laughs> where does that yeah. come from yeah it doesn't make yeah. sense so like that could have been the back like the opening sequence or something you know so that could have set up the whole movie and i feel like that was just a big big fail and it didn't feel like diana was really fighting anybody like the fact that she got involved in this but like not world war Two or you know the vietnam yeah. war or anything that's happened in the 66 years that she's been right, she, like, right. exactly was she's she like really random she's just like saving like random brides on the street from getting flower bombed yeah, or something i don't so, know i don't know it feels like a, which a- oddly another cw show reminded me of the flash just like zooming by and fixing people's tires or whatever yeah. I don't know. It's just <laughs> very very pedestrian <laughs> Like Diana, right. she's doing like some more high tech stuff. Yeah. I know. So that was 
just a, a big fail. And then we get to our little representation and controversy over the whole Egypt scene that we mentioned before. So basically, like, Maxwell Lord sees the a magazine about the king of crude, and then he goes all the way to Egypt to meet with uh, an emir, which is also culturally inaccurate to Egypt. And <laughs> in 1984, they had a president. Um <laughs> <laughs> so that was wrong and i feel like they they did try to intermingle because like his full name is um amir said bin abidos the ruler of oil rich bialia and bialia is a fictional yeah. middle eastern country been in bialia. In DC comics <laughs> but then abidos is actually like an ancient city in egypt itself in real life oh. so it's like they kind of intermingled the, the two Amazing. and it made zero sense because <laughs> an emir is not something that egypt even had like a prince or whatever right. so that whole nonsense and then they're like the building of the his wish was that these heathens leave his land and then they build a magical wall that leaves half the people out just very problematic and then just in general like there was a man too, like a Middle Eastern man, who's like, "I wish I want more nuclear weapons." I'm like, "Is yeah, it really? Was, are we really yeah, gonna do this? That like, was really could you not rely wish to like an ancient end to, end to the conflict or something at least? Yeah, like yeah, yeah that would have been so much better. It let us have some good wishes. Be, Damn, <laughs> it did not need to be in this movie, and yeah. they decided to go all out with oh it. Oh my anyway. god, if they had like placed it in Bialia and had Queen Bee as a character, but anyways. Yeah, it was a it was a massive fail. And it was like completely unnecessary to the plot when when you think about it. So it's like, why did you go there? Why did you need to include this scene? And why did you need to rely on stereotypes that continue to depict Arabs as nuclear loving terrorist types without any especially given that Wonder Woman had a character a Middle Eastern man, Samir, who it was like very conscious of the fact that he couldn't really be an actor because of who mm-hmm. he was. Mm-hmm. And that was like, Oh, that was so nice. Like we finally have someone who is being portrayed as a human with struggle, real life struggles and whatnot. And then you take that completely away in this movie and then rely on like terrible, terrible tropes. Mm-hmm. And that didn't even make any sense to the story. So it's like, why? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I, you know, had some um, idea that it was going to be problematic just from um, reactors coming out on Twitter. Like, and the fact that they tried to, DC tried to gatekeep their own movie and right. selectively, you know, who can view it in advance and how far in advance. And a lot of those people were white and there wasn't a lot of representation in reviewers if you have enough foresight to be like i'm going to gatekeep my movie and only show it to white people so that we can bump up our score in advance of uh releasing it because there's obviously stuff that's in there that will be problematic and probably drive our score down then maybe you should just fix the problematic stuff in the movie and not have to worry about doing that um and I feel like, you know, just the way that, and I didn't, I don't know like a lot about, you know, May, what you're talking about with the Amir and all of that muddled, mixed history that they're trying to put in there. But just, it seemed like the way that they treated Egypt was really shallow in concept to begin with. Um, yeah. The fact that he was going over there for oil. Um, and when I was watching the scene with him talking to the Amir and then I was like, 
Now, I know that they probably didn't go into any kind of research or history about, like, Egyptian or Middle Eastern business culture politeness or anything. Mm-hmm. So at one point, like, uh, Max Lord like, touches Demir on his arm. And, um, he, like, Demir has a look, but it's kind of like a look, like, look, he's touching this. And it's like the precursor to making the wish, like, Maxwell Lord has to touch somebody. But also culturally then that would not have been like appropriate and there's no kind of um realization or nod to the fact that Maxwell is like stepping all over these cultural practices that he should have been observing and it's just because they didn't the writers didn't care enough to put that in there or to make that a point or um anything and then I think like all of the um depiction of Egypt I saw like on Twitter, um, some people put up some pictures of what Egypt actually looked like in the 80s um, versus what we have in the movie. And there's still this kind of, you know, I feel like it's like the general um, one size fits all, one paintbrush color of mm-hmm. Egypt or the Middle East. And it's all very much the same when right. that's not what it looked like in reality. Um, and then there was that one point where Steve and Diana were in the car chasing um, Maxwell Lord and um, Diana's gone off ahead and, and Steve is still in the car and because uh, they, they hi- well they didn't hijack the car she paid for the car from the taxi <laughs> but he can't like he's moving and um, there's like the little um, prayer flag thing like on the mirror and Steve's like I can't see and kind of like snatches it off and just kind of like you know, acting wise, like the choice of like I can't see you, it did make sense, but just like the the uh, act of him ripping off like the Allah, Allah little token. Yeah, the aesthetics kind of, of it were not good. <laughs> that yeah, the aesthetics were not great on that. And then um, yeah, there were other things that I wouldn't have known just like watching it. But the, like a lot of people, when one of the offensive parts that really made people upset was when. Um, Steve used the missile to help launch Diana Force so she could save like the children and that whole imagery against the backdrop of Gal being um a former Israeli defense fighter and the um event where some kids in Lebanon that were playing soccer um is in Palestine. In Palestine, sorry. Um were pl- were playing soccer and um, were killed by a missile. Um, it's just kind of really uncomfortable to have that be so paralleled in this movie and have right. Gal, who is um, playing a westernized hero, stepping in and saving them. There's just like a whole lot of like uncomfortableness where if, you know, I feel like they should have been more sensitive to that or um, tried to avoid such similarities all together um so yeah i definitely agree with that i don't have anything to add to it other than in terms of the gatekeeping that they did i feel i just don't understand how at first all the reviews were good just because they are from white people because i'm like do white people just not have taste because the movie is just bad (laughs) like even if we don't get into the problematic stuff it's not a good movie so I don't understand why there was this divide, actually. Like, I get between being, like, it's inoffensive but not great versus it's offensive and not great. Like, this is the perfect movie. And then this is actually garbage. <laughs> How did we... Where is the where is the divide? I don't get it. But, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, um, and they wouldn't think that way either because, like, none of the I think except for like Angelica um's review or like as one of the earlier reviewers, mm-hmm. she was the only one to mention the muddled like geopolitics yeah. of the Middle East and like why that was included. None of the other people did. I'm just like, okay, so then when everybody else watched, you're like, yeah, this is pretty fucked up, <laughs> right? I think like that part I get because like that part it's like you're not the because because for them it is probably just muddled in their mind. Like they're like, yeah, this makes sense. Just yeah, the, the it goes back to that whole like you know? <laughs> one general representation of like Middle East yeah. or of you know Egypt or whatever, and people are like, yeah, that makes sense. So that part, I'm like, okay, you know, it's not, it, it, it is not ideal that they knew, or it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Why did I say it's not ideal? I don't know where, where I was going without. What I meant to say was <laughs> that it's ridiculous that they knew that, and then they sort of, instead of fixing it, because we didn't need that plot at all, let alone <laughs> the botched version of it that we got, um, they just didn't let people who would notice it review the movie. But I just don't, like, I just don't think that it added because it was already such a bad plot anyway. Like it's not a good plot, even if they had adapted it like well. Like, they had, yeah. if they had done everything respectfully and like had a very specific, um, you know, location and customs that they followed, because they should have had someone on board, like a cultural board, um, mm-hmm. to actually tell them this is right or this is not right. It still would have been not conduct conducive to the whole plot of the movie. So. Yeah, and I mean, Jeff Johns co-wrote this script, and to me, like, being a half-Lebanese man, Uh-oh. he's clearly not, like, an Arab ally whatsoever. He just yeah. flies right over his head because he just does not care whatsoever. That um, takes me back to the Stargirl discussions. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. were like, oh, I wonder why Stargirl doesn't have anything, even though it's based on his sister. Yeah, but... it, it's, yeah it's just... Uh, disappointing but and 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 to add on to all that too is like the white savior trope like you were saying just she's clearly like a westernized hero and her like coming in to save this little girl too who was wearing a hijab and you know just being like i'm here to rescue you i'm just like we no one told you to come here <laughs> right all of you like you know even like max lord it's like you show up this man who's not even a politician or whatever he's just showing up and he's just like to talk walks to guy. a meeting with you yeah with like, who, who are yeah. you <laughs> like why are you here <laughs> and if you really wanted like you know even if you just, you really wanted oil so badly mm-hmm. there's texas <laughs> there's texas <laughs> yeah right i feel like you know because they had diana's clearly make her home in the US so she's like an Americanized hero for 66 years but they didn't want to have the entire story take place in the US because that's not internet like Diana is like international hero we're gonna have her be in the US for like the whole of her life but right it's not the US is not a big enough landscape for this global movie kind of thing is what it kind of feels like and so, like, well, let's let's make up a problem in Egypt and go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just really set back, like, all the problems, you know, talking about Hollywood and stereotyping and racism. It's just this was the movie where a lot of that existed. So <laughs> and I feel like it's not just like Egypt is, you know, because obviously bad guys exist everywhere. Right. So it's not like you can, you know, we'll just have no bad guys outside of the U.S. or yeah, anything but it's like, like a that. Really but it's specific, just specific stereotypical version yes. of those yeah. bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So with anyway. no other like, you know, other introspection to anything else going on in the country. Exactly. We're just there to fight bad people and blow up cars and then leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, if, if movies in general portrayed, 
Arabs in any kind of positive light and there was like some sort of balance, people wouldn't take issue with every time you portrayed an Arab as a bad guy yeah. because like we'd have actual people who were also decent people. <laughs> we just want balance and that does not exist whatsoever in these films. Um, and it, the fact that it's like 2020 and they're still doing this is just to me disappointing, disrespectful and very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um but if you want more on that, I'm going to plug in the Middle Geeks podcast yes. because we do talk about this for an hour and a half with three MENA people, myself included. So feel free to um, download that episode and listen to it because we go into deep detail about that particular instance in the film and why it was so problematic. Um, any final thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984 in terms of like what you look forward to in Wonder Woman 3 and like storyline and for Diana as a character? Well, I feel like, you know, um, there, the reports came out uh, over, well, it's not the weekend yet, but Wonder Woman has made, they've crossed 100 million worldwide sales. So they deem it oh, as really? success. Yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, and wow. um, they had already announced that Wonder Woman 3 was already, it's always, always meant to be a trilogy. So they've already like pre-approved it. Um, as for where they go from here, I feel like they really need to, now that we've gotten like the full breadth of critique of the movie, mm-hmm. um, recenter it on Diana, mm-hmm. um, Steve. I'm star. I'm sorry, Chris Pine, but no <laughs> stay dead. <it. laughs> and I feel like if Eddie uh, has progressed past the need for Chris Pine, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like if if you know story wise, if they're not going with newbie or introducing her, then what is the point? <laughs> like, what is there left? <laughs> I feel like that would be a nice way to round out the trilogy yeah. by introducing okay. Nubia and, and that storyline. connection to the Amazon. And yeah, and coming back, like full circle back to Themyscira, then that would be like a, a good movie. And they would need to have like actual writers because like Nubia's storyline will lead to a whole lot of angry black woman tropes in the hands of like Jeff Johns or some right. other, or Patty Jenkins by herself because I feel like there's a lot of like white. I think we can there. count on Jeff Johns not being a part of it because I don't think he's part of like the DCU moving forward. Okay. I'm still worried about white feminism. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's already been two movies now where women of color have been just like totally absent. And then the white women we've had on screen have been, you know, white women, women, as you've said. (laughs) There's been like, there's been no female friendships like whatsoever. And that's concerning. How dare you? Etta Candy was there, okay? For two minutes. For a whole life. You just didn't see it. (laughs) We're deprived of. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, we're not about to, like, write off um, Patty Jenkins in general, but, like, definitely, I, I my hope is that she reads the criticisms of what went wrong in Wonder Woman 1984, and hopefully, like, yeah, I don't think she cares, like, to be the retweets <laughs> that I've seen her tweet, I don't know that she's that, you know. Yeah, I mean, just avoid leaving the U.S. If that's where, if you want Wonder Woman to be here stateside, just Keep no, her. put it back in the mascara. Right. Or yeah, put it back in the mascara. Send her back there and Make have her like mythological <laughs> villain. The one thing that I will say is I definitely think that it needs to, like you already said, bring it back home to the mascara, but also bring it back home to her making connections. You know, we need to see her developing lasting relationships, not necessarily another romance, but with humans that make her want to fight for people. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not just have to, you know, avoid people altogether and not be 
like live up to her own potential because I feel like that's just a waste of her character. Definitely. All right. That is it for our discussion on Wonder Woman 1984. As always, you can contact us at ladieswgumption at gmail.com, ladieswgumption at tumblr.com. We're over on Twitter at DCTV Gumption. And until next time, fare thee well. Bye.